Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shadrick. Thank you once again for joining me, tuning in, watching, and listening as always. Little standings update for you here in the Futures League. Nothing has changed in terms of first place. It is still the Vermont Lake Monsters at 19-5. and They've won three games in a row. The biggest riser in the standings is the New Britain Bees, who are tied with the Starfires at 13-10. and The Bees have won four in a row. Both teams in second place. Worcester at 12 and 10 right behind them. And then Norwich, Pittsfield, Nashua, and Brockton round out the eight teams in our standings this week. Some big news around the Futures League in terms of the record book. We start in Vermont where George Goldstein set the official record for pitching appearances all time. Congratulations to George Goldstein. And we had a record holder on the podcast this week. It's Joel Lara of the New Britain Bees. He set the steals record at 57 after stealing his 20th bag of the summer. He actually stole 19 and 20 in the same in the same inning as a pinch runner to capture the record. It was great to have Joel on the podcast. He's a three-year veteran of the Futures League. Joked with him before and after the podcast that it was about time that we got him on here. He talks about his time with New Britain so far this season. He talks about being a three-year vet in the league as well as his time with the Suns, the Brockton Rocks, and his time at Franklin Pierce. He got a lot of cool things to say, a lot of good advice to give the younger guys in the league. It's definitely one that you want to tune into. Thank you once again to everybody for tuning in. Some great content coming out in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. But for now, we want to get you to this interview. So here is Joel Lara. We are honored to be joined by our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He has had an incredible season so far, and he just broke the record for steals in the Futures League all time. It's Joel Lara of the New Britain Bees. Joel, how you doing today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. And, and we'll kick it off right with this question. You've, you know, you've been hitting the daylights out of the ball. You've got two home runs tied for first, 13 RBIs, or excuse me. Yeah, 13 RBIs and 20 runs batted in. How have you felt so far this season? Uh, I've been feeling pretty good. I don't know, coming off my college season, we fell short, but uh, coming into summer ball, I was I was pretty hyped to get with these guys here. Uh, great coaching staff, and I've just been feeling comfortable at the plate, just trying my best to help us win, um, no matter what, get on base as much as I can, do what I do, cause havoc on the base path. Yeah, cause base havoc on the base path doesn't even begin to describe it. So I just mentioned that you landed yourself in the Futures League record books, becoming the all-time leader in steals. At six or 57, having your 20th this year already, which seems crazy to me. What does it mean for you, who's a veteran of the league? We'll talk about all your teams in a minute, but what does it mean to officially be landed in the Futures League record book? Uh, it's unreal. And it's crazy because I know uh, we went to Pittsfield and I spoke to one of the, co- the co- a couple of the coaches out there in the front office, and they were telling me I was pretty close to the record and I had no idea. And I was like, how far am I? And he told me, like, just a couple away. Um, I didn't break it that night, but I had uh, an off day the next day, came into pinch run, stole two bases, and then realized the next morning when you guys posted it that I broke the record. And it was just an unbelievable feeling. Yeah, that was pretty cool looking back and reading that you weren't even playing in the game. You literally came in, stole two bases, and broke the record that day. <laughs> so what, what was that like when you get called off the bench and you just – was that just the steal sign immediately? I mean, yeah, it was uh, – I think it was, it was a tie game. And then I told, I told, I spoke to coach uh, Donnie McKillop and Getty. I was like, Hey, if you guys need me to run, I'm ready. Like, I don't care if it's an off day, like I'm ready to run. And then um, I know Keegan, Keegan got on and off immediately got ready, stretched my legs, got on base. My objective was I'm gonna get on second 
steal third, do the best I can to put, uh, help my batter um, drive me in. So, and I think I was pretty successful in that. Yeah, I think so. Just a little <laughs> bit there. And you mentioned that you're on the bees now. They're your third Futures League team. We'll get to the specifics of each team a little later. But from 2020 to now, what have been the biggest three, uh, biggest changes through your three years in the league? Um, so I know starting off, I was with Brockton a couple years ago. Uh, that was coming off my sophomore year. COVID happened, so um, I didn't know if I didn't know how long how long I was gonna be uh, be sitting at home. What was the next time I was gonna be on a field? It was, um, and it took me a while to adjust since I was my first year playing summer ball. I kind of struggled that year. But I adjusted. Then going to Pittsfield last year, um, it was a pretty amazing summer. I started heating up. I had like up my ups and downs, and then got a feel for the league. It was great pitching, just great guys to be around. And then going off to my school year, I started feeling a lot more comfortable, uh, more confident in myself. And then coming into this year, it was the same thing. It was just like a huge boost of confidence. We talk about you know members of your team, usually you come back and there's a, quite a few veterans, but there's not that many guys that are Futures League returners. I think it's you and Zach Donahue, maybe a couple others. Yeah. What, how do you use that experience in the Futures League to help lead guys that in the locker room that might be newer to the Futures League? Um, I, so I know I'm with, with a lot of young, I used to be the younger guy on the team too. So I kind of try to use what guys told me when it was my first few years in the league and almost try to like guide these guys like, hey, uh, in this league, like, try your, like, obviously, like, it's summer ball. Guys have their own perspective on how summer ball works. But I think I'm a pretty competitive guy. So, like, I understand guys want to come in, get their work in, and uh, do what they have to do for, to get them ready for their school year. But baseball is a game you can't take for granted. So, I try to tell you guys, hey, take every bad, bad service you can. Um, don't try to, like, be – I mean, be loose because that's when guys play their best. But it's just guide guys like, hey – I've seen this guy a couple years for the couple the past couple of years. This is what he throws, and then help them be ready like for their next at bat. And it pretty much helps them. Like a lot of these guys, I've seen these guys throughout the school year. Um, just showing them the ropes on how the league works, pretty much. Yeah, that's a good mentality to have because in this league, it's obviously you are facing some of these guys in college, but also some people aren't. So it's like if you know a little bit more about one guy than the other, it's good to be like, hey, like this is what this guy throws. This is what you need to look out for type of thing. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's what's great, great about our team. Like we have a lot of guys in the D one level D two D three. And a lot of the pitches we see like are the guys that they see throughout the whole year. So it's like, it may be me seeing some guy from the any 10. like, Hey, I've seen this guy many, plenty of times throughout the season. This is what he throws. He loves going to this pitch. And then we'll have a couple guys from the D one level. Like, yeah, I, I face this guy. This is what he throws. He throws from this angle. And a lot of guys from the D three level too. It's the same thing. And it's like, helps us all come together and it's become the successful program we've been so far. Yeah, and you talk about that success. You guys have won four in a row. You're 13 and 10, tied for second in the standings. It's obviously early, but how have you felt about the team's play in general this season? Oh, it's been great. So it's like, I feel like it's either uh, the pitchers backing us up uh, or the hitters pack, um, backing up the pitchers. I know the past couple of games we've scored late or early in the games where it's like we, uh, we, come, in, we come out aggressive tack on a lot of runs and then the other team would come back and then we'd pick up our pitchers, score more runs, be aggressive on the base path, make a, a bunch of plays for them. Or if it's the other way around, if we're not hitting, I know the pitchers got our backs that like we'll make plays for them. And then we just pick uh, piggyback off each other and uh, see how things go. 
Yeah, it's certainly been the mentality. And what has certainly helped has been the two-headed managing monster in the Bees dugout with Donnie McKillop and Matt Gedman. What is your relationship like with both of those guys? Obviously, Getty having the past experience for the last three years, but we'll get to that a little later. Yeah, I've been with Getty for the past three years. He's an amazing coach. Um, he's always there if anybody needs help. He's he's one of those coaches that's at the field five hours before the game, six hours before the game. He never hesitates to help anybody. If we want cage work, he's always there. He has no problem throwing us flips, BP. Same thing with Donnie. He's always free. He's always free to throw fungo. Um, if guys want to show up early, he's always there. Even in, in the dugout, it's like if he sees a minor tweak in somebody, he'll like like he he stopped me the other day. He's like, hey, you're doing this. If you try to adjust here, like you'll be able to get on this pitcher. And then it, it's been a huge help in the dugout. Even other, the other coaches, like if it's defensively or for pitchers on the mound, it's just been a great coaching staff um, helping uh, like players make the adjustment throughout the game. Yeah, it's super important too in summer ball. Obviously, you're playing for a different coach before you go back to school. So it's good to get that advice from guys, especially a guy like Getty, who you've known for the past yeah. three summers. And what's easy about being on the Bs, from my perspective at least, is the amount of puns we can use on social media. So I have to ask what your favorite B pun is. Uh honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. But there's a bunch, it'll probably, probably come to me later on. All right, if it comes to you later on, let me know. But yeah, let's see. What, what have we done? John, Johnny Maffey, former co-host, was big on them. He liked pollinate. That was a big one for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the Bees are also hosting the All-Star Game this year in New Britain. We're actually almost a month away from that, which seems crazy that we're almost halfway through the year here. If you were pitching the All-Star Game, pitching going to the All-Star Game to people of Connecticut and beyond, what would be your biggest pitch for the city of New Britain for New Britain Stadium for the Bees? Uh, my biggest pitch is just come out, see great baseball, see the best players of the league, um, be able to perform, have fun. And I know we had like the big educational day where it's like the fans made their own rules. It's like, like maybe it's not going to be that, but it'll be the same, same atmosphere, same environment. Whereas like you'll, they'll, they'll be able to see their hometown team of the bees, like host the all-star game and just like everybody throughout the league, have fun, um, put on a great display of baseball and just enjoy the amazing hot dogs, dipping dots, and the beehive, enjoy a couple beers. 100%. And I got to ask about those education days. What were your thoughts on the, it was really cool to see everybody. It was all smiles and all the kids were having so much fun. What were your thoughts on those games? Oh, it was an, it was an amazing day. I know, like, so we were playing Westfield that day. Um, we should, it was a lot of kids. Like, it's always amazing playing in front of kids just because a lot of them look up to us. Um, or like their specific players. And it's like just seeing the smiles on their face always brightens our day. Um, it was definitely like a day we needed to like let loose almost. Like everybody just came off their school season, probably 40, 50 games, and just had that one game where you don't have to worry about your stats. Just go out there, have fun, and just like play loose with like guys, like two teams come together. I know they had an intern pitch for them. It was pretty hilarious. Um, they had pit, we had position player, uh, pitchers playing the positions. Um, just overall the time. And I know I saw Worcester had a crazy day, had umpires playing the field. Uh, Nashville had a good one too. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good day and the league should definitely do it at least once a year. Yeah, it was certainly fun to see. And it's always good to look back on, on those moments from that week for sure. Hold on. We'll get right back to back to the futures, but first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your 
kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Transitioning to one of your other teams, though, you were on the Suns last year obviously with Getty as the manager, you guys made an incredible run making it to the championship. What was it like to play for the Futures League championship, which would, which was the first time for you? It was unreal, unreal. So I know we fell short when I was at Brockton. And then just remembering that, it was like, like I want to win this whole thing. And then obviously we fell short last year, but it was just the grind of what it took to like make it there. And we knew that when we got it there, it's like, hey, it's going to take everyone to like win this thing or like just like, just a fight to like give us a chance and then I know we ended up being Brockton uh game one was in Vermont we won that game it was a dog fight um going into game two it was back at home we fell short but it was just like seeing everybody come together it's like everybody was tired after a long season but everybody was like everybody wanted a pitch like if it was a pitcher that just threw like Kyle Roach he threw I think six or seven innings and he was ready to go again obviously he couldn't because of the the inning limit or the pitch limit but everybody was on board, willing to like sacrifice their body, do whatever it is to win the game. And then obviously we fell short, but it was just like, it was a, it was a great experience just seeing everybody come together and try their hardest to win it all. Yeah, it was certainly an unbelievable series and everybody definitely played their hearts out at the end. And that was the thing too, is that's, you know, that's an extended summer right there. It's like you, you could call it the end of August or you could be fighting for the championship two weeks later. And I got to ask about like, were you tired? Cause that's Vermont, Pittsfield, Vermont. And you guys had to go to Brockton multiple times like that. You must've been wiped. It was crazy. So I was actually speaking to Getty about it the other day. It was like, so the last few weeks or the last few days of the, of the league, the regular season of the playoffs where we're playing Brockton and then going into Vermont, I was definitely tired. I was playing a, a lot of those games. It's like my legs definitely took a toll. Um, my arm, just like just the everyday grind of showing up to the field early, getting in BP, playing these long games especially with everybody just like working their hardest. I know we played game one and then that was at Vermont, came back and I had to drive to school to get out of my apartment in Pittsfield, like two in the morning, I had to go. And then the next morning, driving a couple of my buddies back to Pittsfield to catch the bus to Vermont. It was, it was definitely a grind, it was tired, but I was willing to do anything to, to win it all. Especially for the guys, like, like I feel like I owed it to them. It's like, if everybody's coming, showing up every day, working their hardest, like, no matter if I have to drive from school back, I'm going to give them my all. Yeah, that's exactly That's the mentality you want at that point in the season. That's perfect. And last week we talked to Kevin Donati and Margot Doulette of the Suns. And Isaiah Mastery actually made an appearance on the podcast. And we had to ask him about the Chief. So I'm going to do the same thing to you. Do you believe the power in the power of the Chief Okona statue? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Chief Okona, we, we dragged him everywhere. I know, I forget what game we first dragged them and we won. It's like, we have to keep bringing them. And then, oh, it was actually in Brockton. That thing is heavy. 
it was heavy. And then it took like three, four guys to carry it off the bus. At first, I thought everybody was like just joking around, like they were taking the statue. I was like, this thing's pretty heavy. And they're like, no, we're taking it. I was like, okay, like we're taking it. And then the power, like it brought our, our, our dugout up. It's just like look, being out on the field, staring into the dugout, seeing Chief Okona made me laugh a couple of times, but it's like, it made everybody like play a lot more loose knowing like that was like the funny part of like the dugout. Like we really just brought a statue from Pittsfield, but it, there's definitely something within Chief Okona, the Chief Okona statue that brought us all together to help us play a lot better. Yeah. It's always the little things that can rally a team together. You never know what it is, but that's awesome. And Obviously, the Chief must have had some power in the semifinals. Let's go game three. You were a huge reason why the Suns made the final. You guys had a, was I think it was a, yeah, it was a six-run bottom of the six. You had a bomb of a three-run home run, part of a four-run comeback to end up giving you guys the win in game three. What was going through your mind as you were rounding the bases and saw that thing fly over the fence? Uh, we were, yeah, so we were down. And then I, there was, uh, so I was at the plate. I was like, okay. So like usually we're down when we're down or games tied. I try to tell my myself a couple of small things like don't overthink, don't don't get too big here, don't try to be the hero, be a soldier. So my objective was just to get on first, and then let's go down the line, work a count. Like now this pitch is frustrated, bases are loaded, and then I was sitting on my one pitch. He threw it, and then I immediately I I normally don't bat flip, but like I hit it and just like excitement just took over, and I was just amped up looking to the dugout. I was like, we might have this. And then we ended up taking that game. It was just an unreal feeling. Yeah. And obviously I've been around for all the years you've been in the league and that's what I've seen. You definitely play small. You're big on base hits and then you get on, you steal, you steal, you steal. So when I saw that video of that home run, I went, Oh my goodness. Cause that thing was roped. I definitely shocked myself too. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the bench going crazy. It was, it was great. Certainly a great moment. I can't even imagine what you were, you know, you were going through, but I was like, I was hyped for you. I was like, Oh, let's go. Like <laughs> it was a big home run. It was a crazy feeling. All right. And then one more question about Pittsfield here. Got to ask it, obviously thoughts on number one, Sundays and number two, Wakona park. <laughs> so Sundays, I, I, before going into Pittsfield, I always heard about it. So Sundays, I'm like, there's no way this could be like a real thing. Cause I've never, I've never experienced that any other field. And then first few games, I don't think we had a Sunday just cause it was like kind of like happy weather. But then I think my first ever Sunday, I was at the plate and I walk, I'm like, wow, the sun's really in my face. And I think we were playing, I think we were playing new Britain and I'm at the plate, And then everybody's saying like, Hey, just tilt your head in. Like you're basically hitting with one eye, but you could still see the ball. And then I remember the pitcher threw a fastball down the middle. I was like, wow, I struggled with that. Catcher didn't see it. And the umpire's like, did you not, did you really not see it? I was like, he's like, no. And then they called the sun delay. I was like, that is probably the hardest thing to play in. Like, yeah, I, I'm a center fielder. I hate when the sun's in my face, but I'd rather play with the sun in my face in center field than bat with the sun right in my face. I was just going to ask you that too, because obviously you are, you're an outfielder. You have to battle the sun constantly, but like, what's it like playing in reverse where you have to battle the sun at the plate versus the outfield? That can't be, that, so, that has to suck. So you got to put it this way. It's like. So think about it, whereas you're in the outfield, you'll see it off the bat, maybe you'll lose it in the sun, but you have probably one or two seconds to like try to find it. You have two guys to your left and your right, helping you, like help guiding you, like, oh, left, right, in, back. Whereas like you're at the plate, you have a ball coming 90 miles per hour. You have no idea where it's going. It's probably like one of the scariest things ever. So I definitely take fielding in the sun over hitting in the sun. Yeah, any day of the week, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people can speak for that. Oh, yeah. 
And then let's go back one more summer, 2020, you're with Brockton. It was the improbable summer. College gets colleges get canceled for COVID. Everybody's struggling to find any sort of sport sporting event ever. Enter the Futures League. You guys still had some insane talent as the rest of the league did. What was your summer like in Brockton in 2020 and being able to play after all the COVID stuff happened? Uh, first, it was honestly a blessing because I remember we got sent home. We were on our way back from Cary, North Carolina from school and a coach told us like, hey, like, I'm not sure how serious this is, but they're saying that there's this virus going around. Everybody has to go home. And then, yeah, we'll probably be back in a couple of weeks. And then I, don't know, I got a phone call or an email from coach. He's like, hey, our season's over. So I'm sitting at home. And I know I was originally supposed to go to Brockton. And I was like, wow, there, that's my summer. Like, I'm not going to Brockton anymore. And then I got a, I got a text a couple, couple weeks later or a couple of days later from Tom Tracy. He's like, hey, like, we're still playing. The FC, FCBL is probably the one, the one of the only leagues being able to play. I was like, let's go. It's an advantage. And then um, showed up to the first practice. Everybody was there. It was like seeing these names, like all these schools, like, wow, this is going to be a crazy summer. It was my first summer ball, like first summer ball experience. So I was like, I'm, I'm about to play against, against the top players in the nation. And it was definitely an experience and a great, a great summer that year. Yeah, certainly a great summer it was. And obviously Brockton marked the first summer of Getty and now you're in his third season. Are you sick of this guy yet? Oh, no. <laughs> Can't get rid of Getty. He's an amazing guy. Amazing coach. I'd play another year if I could with him. Yeah, good friend of the podcast and the Futures League, obviously. And we talked about your credibility as a base runner earlier. What are your thoughts on base when you're getting that steal sign? And how do you not, I guess, for lack of better word, give away that you're about to go? Like, what's your secret? Are you just like, like, because if I got the steal sign, I'd be smiling. I'd be like, all right, let's go. I'm going to, I'm going to second base. Like, so um, usually, like, no, no matter how I get on, either if it's like a walk, hit, or obviously, uh, my objective is to get on first and then just do what I do. If it's a double or triple, even better. It just makes my job easier. But as soon as I get on first base, my objective is to get second. I'm not thinking about third because usually people say, like, if I get on first, it's a trip. On first, it's a triple. But I take it once, one base at a time. So if I get on first, okay, my objective is to help my batter. Because I know when I'm on base, the first thing on the pitcher's mind is I got to get this ball as quick as possible to home plate. So I use that to my advantage. I usually take like a decent, decent sized lead. So my objective is to mess with him and then try to get a good read on him. So I know a lot of pitchers have like the Bach move now or like lefties have to be extra cautious. So my move is I focus on my very first step. If I can get that first step, I know I have the bag. If I like kind of hesitate or like, like if I'm questionable, I'll just shut it down and like, okay, I'm not going to risk it. Cause like, there's a lot of good catchers in this league and it takes a perfect throw to be able to get that out. And it's like, if I, if I'm the lead off or like there's less than two outs, me getting out at second or third doesn't help the team at all. So I'm just trying my best to get a good read, get my hitter as many fastballs as possible, or for him to get ahead in the count. If it's like a bunch of pitch outs, it's like, okay, now it's two Oh, three Oh. Now he gets a fastball that he could rip. Um, it helps my case now if the pitch respects the curveball, it's easy. It's even easier to steal bag, a bag. Yeah, that's certainly that's always part of it that I never think about too. Is like you obviously you're not you don't know what some pitchers are going to throw, but obviously depending on the count, you can kind of predict it. Like oh, where they're going to go here, what pitch is going to be thrown, type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Like, I know when I get on, use it. I try to treat it like another at bat. It definitely helps me mentally. But it's like if I get on, it's like okay, now what would I do if I'm in the box? Like, okay, I'm sitting this pitch. Um, okay, he's coming with this. And then I treat the same way with the when I'm on base. Like, okay, he's definitely going curveball here. 
Now let me get a good read here. It's an easier bag because it's pretty hard to try to throw someone out when it's a curve on the dirt. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, so I've heard, so I've heard. And I, I got to ask this, obviously we, you've ran track. We talk, we'll talk about that later, but do you keep track of your 40 time at all? Is that something that you keep? Notes honestly, I can't, I can't even account the many times I've, I've gotten asked that. So I actually never got my 40 time. So I've only had a 60. My fastest ever is okay. a six one six. That works. A bunch of guys, a bunch of guys in the league, uh, around the league have asked me that. So there you guys go. But yeah, uh, I think we do. I think we do sixty at the All Star game too. So yeah, or the Scout days. So that's probably when it would have been measured. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, forty times. Forty times just always what I associate it with because that's like oh, like track and NFL, whatever else, and they're all running. Yeah, there. I've actually I've been to one football practice. Uh, never really played football. But um, everybody's always asked. I want to actually time my 40 just so I can, I can give guys that answer. But unf- unfortunately, I don't have a 40 time. All right. We might have to do that. That might be a future sleep segment. It's timing I'm Joel Lara's 40. <laughs> All right. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Back Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Litter League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, ZorianBats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And transitioning to college, you just wrapped up your junior year at Franklin Pierce, hitting 294, 33 steals, 48 runs, drove in 31. How was your junior season overall, and what are you looking forward to about senior year? Oh, it was a, it was a pretty good season. Uh, we, we fell short. It took – we had a lot of ups and downs. Um, it, it, um on the pitching side and hitting wise, but I feel like with the group of guys we had, it's like, we never, we never put ourselves down. It's like, if we were down in games, we tried our hardest to come back. Um, same thing here. It's like picking up, picking our pitchers up or the pitchers picking us up. Um, it was a great group of guys just um, that were willing to work um, in the gym, in the cages, day in, day out. Um, we fell short in regionals, but it was just like, a great core, a core group of guys. And I know we have a majority of those guys coming back. So I'm definitely excited going back and be ready to uh, work with these guys and hopefully win it all. Yeah. It's going to be great to have that core group of guys back and plenty of those guys are scattered around the futures league. So as you know, being teammates with them for what, three seasons of the year, what's it like playing against them in the summer? Uh, it, it's always, it's always, um, it's always jokes. Like every time I see these guys, I'm laughing. I always like, I'll crack a couple of jokes with them if it's on the field or from dugout to dugout. I know uh, Joe Pesci's on 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 the Worcester Bravehearts. I know me and him always catch up before or after the games. Um, when I'm in center field or when he, if he gets on, we'll like try to chat it up. Like he'll 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 try to give me like feedback on what I'm doing. I'll give him feedback on what he's doing. Same thing with like Ryan Lavelle on Westfield. I only played one game. It was the educational day actually, and then we play them tonight. But other than that, it's amazing. Like just seeing these guys. Like I'm with them basically the whole year and then seeing them on the other side, it's like, I know how to play them. So it's kind of an advantage and just messing with them, trying to get in their heads. It's, it's a pretty good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun seeing 
you go guys that are on even whether it's on the same team or in the same conference during the school year kind of messing around with each other or talking talking trash talk giving advice it's it's a cool thing that's what i love about the futures league it's just like everybody seems to know each other in some way shape or form oh yeah and flashing back to 2019 your freshman year you guys won the any 10 title you actually went two for four with a double and a run in that game what was it like to capture that title and you know after that long grueling conference play come out with a title Oh, it was an amazing feeling. I know it's uh, um, Franklin Pierce has, has had a history of like uh, of winning World Series appearances, conference championships, and then it was like when me going into Franklin Pierce was like high expectations. Um, everybody like everybody knew what their role is, what it took to get there, especially with the older guys like the experience of World Series or conference championship. It was something I it was new to me, and then just like hearing from these guys, the coaching staff that were a tremendous help. Um, I kind of knew like what, what I had to do in order to help my team. It's the same thing everywhere. Like if I get on, we're most likely going to score. It's like, and then I, I kind of struggled that year, like at the plate, but it's like, it, it was going to take everything out of me to help, help our team win. And then I ended up getting on, getting on base as much as I can or a couple plays defensively. And then when it came to the last inning, I know we had a couple pitchers that were hurt that were willing to go on the mound hurt and just do whatever it took to win a championship. And we ended up winning. And it was an unreal feeling just knowing that my freshman year, I ended up winning all tournament team and then just winning the conference championship. It was an amazing feeling and it just set the bar high for my next couple of years and can't wait to get back there next year. Yeah, that's an awesome way to enter, you know, your first year of college is coming out with the conference title. And even before that, even before you got there, what was your recruitment like to Franklin Pierce? Uh, so at a high school, I would played for uh, Next Level Baseball or Boston Blue Jays, same organization. Uh, we went to a lot of like showcase tournaments, but I didn't personally didn't go to a lot of showcases just because it was like we were always on the road. Um, I'm, I went to my very first showcase. It was um, Lynn Invitational. There was probably about 30 different schools there, a couple pro scouts. And then I ran a 6-2 that day. And then the next day, uh, Cody Kaufman, who's our assistant coach now, reached out to me and was like, hey, would you like to come up, um, take a visit, did all the all the paperwork information. And then I immediately, as soon as I stepped on campus, got a tour. I was like, it's a small school in Ridge, New Hampshire, not too far from home, but like a, a good distance where like I'm not, I'm not forced to go home all the time. I just like saw a, a good a good amount of the guys on the field, just like working their hardest. I was like, I knew immediately this is where I wanted to be. Just like with their history and just like the structure of the program, a great coaching staff and just like just the hard work uh, mentality of everyone on that team. Yeah, that's what you want is to go in and kind of look at not only the campus and like the, the you know, distance from home, all that stuff, but like the guys that you're going to be playing with for the next couple of years and kind of seeing what they do and like what what you want to be, I guess, at college and being like, all right, that's where I want to go. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just everyone holding each other accountable. It's like, yeah, these are like these are your teammates. These are your best friends. But it's like you're not, you're not being a real teammate if you're not holding your um everyone accountable. And like I witnessed that and I was like, this is definitely what I want to be because like. I guess growing up, like I, I witnessed a lot of that playing with the older guys, like everyone just like holding each other accountable. Like, yeah, like you're my, like you're my teammate. Like you're one of my great best friends, but it's like, if I'm not telling you what you're doing wrong, then I'm not really being a good teammate. And just seeing that, I was like, this is where I want to be. And that's what I try to do now. Like if it was on, on the bees or back at school, just holding, holding everybody accountable. Just like, I'm going to squeeze the, the most out of you to be the best player you can be. And I expect the same thing from everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. 
And you just touched on in your answer about recruiting. You played club ball for next level baseball in the Boston Blue Jays. Is that a route you recommend to up and coming baseball players? Oh, definitely. So um, I know, so I was part of the first team that started the organization in 2013, 2014. It was, at first, it was just a bunch of my buddies that I grew up with. Um, one of my like, older coaches, he wanted to start a league. At first, it was just like a bunch of kids, inner city kids, just coming together, practicing. We started a team. We weren't the best team at first, but we were definitely a young, hungry team that wanted to win it all, go out to places, experience um, new states. Like we used to go down to Florida, California, and just like see this diff- the different part, uh, different cities around the world or the nation. And then as uh, over years, it's grown and it's created some of the best players in the Northeast. I don't know if you can recall Joshua Baez, Ivan Arias, um, a lot of a lot of bunch of other guys. Those are some of the top prospects right now, but a lot more than for younger kids, I'd definitely recommend it if they want proper training, um, a hard work mentality that not just for baseball, it's life advice, um, great conditioning, uh, weightlifting program. They have a great coaching staff over there. Yeah, it's a good recruitment right there. And you said you were part of the initial initial team or the initial squad that did that. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, that's a good way to that's a good way to crack the baseball world right there. And here you are, what, about ahead of your senior year at Franklin Pierce. You never know, man. Never know. And flashing back to high school baseball, you were you played your years at Snowden International. What was that like? So Snowden International, it's uh, just a public school in Back Bay, Boston. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a crazy, like, baseball school. So going in, uh, it was just a small public school in the heart of Boston. Um, went in there. What is that? Started rent, I ran cross country my freshman year. Uh, I stopped running cross country because it started. It was a, it was a lot. I had to add fall ball, indoor track, and then baseball. Um, it was definitely nice. Like, yeah. So my, it was just, it was, I was doing the same thing, school, track, baseball, every single day, trying to manage work, trying to make some money here and there. But, um, I know my first three years, it was kind of a grind just cause it's like a lot of guys were like low experience. It was probably a couple guys on the team that like knew what they were doing, but it took like me and the, a couple of other guys that had some experience to like teach guys. Um, but it was more about having fun. And then, cause I still had my, my travel ball team on the side. So like trying to implement what I was learning from my travel ball team to my high school program. And then it took up to my, it took up until my senior year where um, we had a couple more guys come in, had a successful um, season where we won the city championship. And then it's only, it's only gotten better from there. I think they won it two years after that too. Yeah. Hey, you got to set the groundwork, right? Somebody, oh, yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be the one to get everybody there. And that's awesome. Just put your foot in the door. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you mentioned it. We got to ask about it. Obviously your quickness on the bases. You said you ran track. You said you ran track. There's some stats and championships to back that up. Three-time league champion in the long jump, two-time league champion in the 600 meter and league champion in the 300 meter as a senior. Do you ever miss running track? And what was that like? Again, try to balance that and baseball and everything else that was going on. So, yeah, so I, I devoted 13 years of my life to track. I started when I was in third grade. Um, I want to, I want to give a thanks to Michael Ball. He was um, my, my PE teacher back in elementary school up until eighth grade. And then uh, he got me into track. Oh, also it was because me, we had like a competitive household. So my older brother started running track and I immediately wanted to run track just because he ran. And then I've, I was kind of a hothead growing up. So I was like, 
I used to get mad that he used to beat me all the time. So like, that's what I was working toward just to beat him. And it got to a point where I did get become faster than him. Um, but yeah, it was, as the years went on, I started, I fell in love with track. It was just like, it was a way for me to like, just, uh, what is it? Just uh, show like put it put onto display like my speed, and I didn't I didn't, re- I didn't realize until I got to high school like how fast like I actually was. It was it was definitely an experience like yeah like the workouts were amazing. It like helped me with baseball too, just because like constant like just constant running. Um, I don't know. It was it, it's a whole different adrenaline rush. It was definitely an amazing feeling. Um, I did love track, but it did take a like heavy toll on my body. And then when I start when I started balancing baseball and track. I had to choose the one sport that I loved the most and it was baseball. It's like, I could have went to uh, college for track, but I knew that baseball had had my heart. So I decided to go with baseball. Yeah. And I mean, here we are. So it worked out for the best, <laughs> obviously. And I got to ask if you could race anybody in the world right now, we're going to call this our Zephyr question of the day. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field head of the Futures League, Zephyr high quality and innovative design since 90, 1993. If you could race anyone in the world, who would it be? <laughs> Oh, uh, this is actually a hard. I, can I say a couple names? Yeah, go for it. So, immediately, first thought in my mind would be uh, Billy Hamilton. Uh, I forget what team he's on right now, but he's been on a couple of teams. I know yeah. he's been known for a speed demon around the league. Uh, another person is because I, I get this I get this a lot, and Enrique Bradfield from Vanderbilt University, because everybody I know he went he had a I think he was perfect this season. I'm not sure how many it was. I think it was 44 for 44. And everybody was asking me, like, you think you could beat him? I was like, and I'm a pretty confident person. I'm like, yeah, I think I could beat him. But that's something that would have to happen. That would be, uh, I would pay to see that. <laughs> that would be crazy. Well, the perfect, the perfect steel man in the Futures League versus the perfect steel man at, uh, at Vanderbilt. Set it up. Set it up. We'll that's figure good. it out. Maybe, maybe he's listening and, and he'll take that challenge. We'll see. Hopefully. Anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. That's what we like to hear. All right, final question here before we let you go. Message to Bees fans as we're getting closer and closer to July and getting through here the season. Hey, uh, from the Bees, we all love you guys. Keep coming out to the games, supporting us, no matter if we're down games or ahead in games. You guys just stick around. Um, We were down a couple games ago, and then we came back up. The place went electric. Uh, We're going to keep doing our best to win games and go Bees. Yeah, go bees. Keep packing the stadium to watch this man do his thing. Joel, thank you so much again for joining me today. This has been fantastic. Good luck here this coming, uh, you know, these coming months, and we'll see you on the field real soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. This has been episode five of season five of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thank you.